Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, one dark night, uh, many years ago, our family was driving home from an evening out and it, uh, it was a warm, I remember it was a warm night and all the kids were in the back seat and we turned the corner to come down our street, our little cul-de-sac street to head home. And as we turned the corner, we saw a large something out ac- across the street from our neighbor across the street. Out of their curb, there was some massive something there. And as we got closer, we realized it was a piano. It was an old piano. And someone from the back seat was like, <gasps> like this guest, like, can we have that? And uh, so we pulled over. And we, we took a look and we were like, man, this thing's on wheels. Like it's ready to move. And so we wheeled this piano down the rest of the street, across up our driveway and into our front room. And instantly, the kids, we have a, a kind of some musical children, um, that, that instantly started making music on it. And they started playing, uh, this little mix, a little SpongeBob, a little worship, you know, uh, some ditties, um, their own creative pieces. And uh, instantly this piano brought joy and sounds. And, and sometimes like Kevin and I have to call, we're trying to sleep like enough. It's the middle of the night, enough with the piano. Um, but some dancing into this front room. And we love, loved, loved having this piano. And so a month or so later, the neighbor's out and we were like, you know what? Thank you so much for the piano. It has really brought a lot of music and joy to our home. We love the piano. And he was like, oh, oh, good. Like, yay, I'm glad you like it because it has not been touched in our home in years and years. In fact, this piano, it came down from our family. It was a, it was a part of our family forever. Um, but it moved with me to my bachelor pad. And he said, while it was there, he said, um, really all it did was hold our beer cans. And you can see there's like lots and lots of cup rings on the top of it. He's like, nobody touched it. Nobody did anything with it. It literally served as a table for our drinks. And I was like, oh man. And I would think, I thought about that. And I thought, imagine the family member who loved music, who bought this expensive piece of furniture and had it moved into their home and then, and then paid for the kids' lessons and enjoyed the music in their home. Imagine the owner of that piano coming to visit the bachelor pad on a Sunday morning and seeing the piano littered with the pizza crust and the red solo cups, right? And imagine what they thought, like, oh, oh, like, there's no beauty coming from this. Like it's not bringing you any joy. It's just there to hold your garbage. Really? Really? And I thought about that and I thought in some ways, in some ways our lives uh, can be like this piano that God designed them with great craftsmanship, with intri- the intricacy of, of what goes on behind those keys and how things hit things and sound comes out and, how the, the melody comes to be. And he designed our lives just carefully to bring joy, to help bring music and, and hold the melody of heaven, right? He designed our lives like that, that, that we would be um, wherever we, we were placed, that we also would bring dancing to that room and some worship to that room that he planned before time, in fact, with great care. 
and great wisdom and creativity, what our lives could and could and would be that we were designed for great purpose. And I am like you. I want to know all the time, am I living into the potential and the purpose and the craftsmanship and the creativity and the wisdom that you designed for me to bring to this room that I've been placed in? I want to know, just like you, am I hitting, am I hitting the bullseye? The designer had a design in mind, a purpose in mind. Am I living out the potential that he saw in me before time began? I'm just like you with these wonderings, these thoughts, this desire to know that I know I was meant to be a piano, but am I living in end table existence? Is that what I'm actually experiencing? Well, here's the deal, guys. I want us to be able to say, to, to know for certain that there is no discrepancy between what the designer had in mind versus what I'm living out today. That we could know this, that we could know what God had in mind when he set this whole thing in motion in the first place, that we could live according to his design and live it out fully. Paul writes this in Galatians 5. He gives us a little bit of insight into what this would look like, this life that God designed. And he says this in Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Here's the design. Here's the purpose that Paul, we know this book in Galatians, he's writing this book and he's like, listen, I know that you have a full life and I want you to, to, to go after the full life, the free life that God designed for you. And he's the whole letter is just purpose after purpose. Let me show you how, let me remind you of the truth so you can live into the fullness that God designed for you. And this is what he is. He's saying, listen, guys, this is it. Your ordinary everyday life. It was designed to live in step with the spirit of God himself. This is the design for your life. And this is so perfect that we are landed here in Galatians 5 in our study this week, because like Kevin told you, it is Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. So we get to dig into what exactly does this life full of the spirit life lived in partnership with the spirit of God step by step? What is that really like? What is that really like? How do we too live the piano life, not the end table existence? So what I want to do today, my goal is this, is just to look again at this filling of the spirit of God, this invitation that Paul's giving to the Galatians. What does that really look like? What do we expect? And how are we going to do it for us today? For us today. So I wanted to start in the Old Testament. And I want us to look at an Old Testament example of a life filled with the spirit so that we know, again, what we can expect today. And I want to take our first example, a life, a man named Gideon, who we meet in the book of Judges. And I heard the Sunday the teachers that are, were coming in this morning while I was upstairs and I heard uh, one of the teachers was like, we're talking about Gideon today. And I'm like, me too. Like, I love it when God coordinates upstairs, downstairs, right? All coordinated. So, so here we go. So we meet Gideon. And when we meet him in the book of Judges, um, here's the background. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people, they are living in the promised land. But this happens to be a, a, a part of their the disobedient chapter in their history. That remember, God set it up like, listen, we're going to live in this covenant relationship. And that means that I will bring you blessing. I will provide for you. I will protect you from your enemies. You live according to my ways and you follow me and you love me alone, right? Well, in this moment, um, Israel had had 
entered into this rebellious period. They were following other gods and they were living like all the surrounding nations. And as that happened in the rebellion, they had to come out from underneath the blessing and protection that God had offered. And when that happened, um, the neighboring nations, the, the Midianites, where they, they started in on this kind of like uh, path of destruction toward, towards Israel. And every year at harvest time, the Midianites would come in and they would take away, they would just absolutely strip the land of all the crops. They would take every sheep, all the cattle, anything that was uh, resourceful to the Israelites. They would just, they would take them all and they would march them. They would take them and march them back out, out away. So, Year after year, for seven years, Midian would come in and completely devastate Israel. And it was, they were essentially living in poverty because their livelihood was being captured year after year after year. They were living in poverty. They were in deep distress. And in their deep distress, they would cry out to God. So here's where, that's the background to where we meet this man, Gideon. And so Gideon um, is just minding his own business. You guys have probably heard the story. And he is prepping his wheat in a wine press because he's in hiding because he knows any moment now the Midianites are going to come back and steal anything and everything that's worth anything, including his wheat, right? So he's in this, uh, he's hiding in this wine press, trying to just eke out some, some food for tomorrow, right? And right there in that place, God shows up and encounters him and God speaks over him. I have it from the message here. God shows up and he says, God is with you. You mighty warrior, you mighty warrior here in the wine press, right? And and, and God goes on and he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen out ahead. Mighty warrior. You're going to go deliver Israel. What they've been crying out for, what your people need, the, the restoration, the redemption, so they can live again in freedom. You are going, it's coming through you, mighty warrior. And you would think that Gideon would be like, yes, you know, some fist pumps, like finally freedom is coming. What we've been crying out for, what we've been dying for. It's just right around the corner. And instead Gideon is like me, me. And I love what he says. He says with who and with what could I weakest in fact of the litter how are you going to do this crazy plan? I hear this impossible plan. It's coming out of your mouth. But when I look at the inventory, when I look at like how this could actually happen, some logic in my own brain, never know how impossible God impossible. Right. And I want you to recognize the tension here that there is such a great contrast between what is coming out of God's mouth, what he intended, what he wanted to do with this human life this mighty warrior and what Gideon feels like or thinks that his life could be or should be what he could expect of his own life, right? Like he, again, is just trying to get a little wheat together for some pancakes for breakfast tomorrow. He's on the verge of another defeat. He just knows he is just right around the corner. Any minute, those Midians are going to be just marching in here, those Midianites and taking everything, right? And I wonder where we are stuck in the wine press because right here, Gideon is, he's surrendered to the circumstance stuck in the wine press. And I wonder where are we just trying to provide just the next meal, just a little bit of wheat for our family's next meal, right? Like where are we just 
I'm just going to survive these, this season or these next few days or this, the rest of this year or this job or this stage of my life, right? Where are we not? I can't even expect deliverance here. I can't even expect anything beyond what I can see right in front of me. I'm not even reaching for more because honestly, I'm just so used to the loss. I'm just so used to the defeat. I'm just so used to the attack at this point. Surrendered to the circumstance, stuck in the wine press. And right here in the wine press, God brings back his promises. Listen, Gideon, I've called you mighty warrior. Right in the tension, right here, that you are experiencing this, the fearful life. This is your experience, fearful life in the wine press. Yet I have said, you're a mighty warrior who will deliver a nation. That's what I have said. And we too, guys, we know the tension of the wine press. It presses in on us too, that God has said things that we are not experiencing. Then quite frankly, we're experiencing the opposite, a whole bunch of fear, right? That God has promised blessings on, on us, our children and our children's children. That God has intended victory for our life. He said greater things, greater things than Jesus, right? That we would see the goodness of God and the land of the living and on and on and on. The, the Bible is full of one after another of outrageous promises. But we're stuck in the wine press. And we know that God can heal, but we haven't seen the sickness move, aren't we? We're stuck in the wine press when we're watching a friend struggle with addiction instead of freedom. We're stuck in the wine press when, honestly, our, our home life feels more overwhelming than joyful. Stuck in the wine press. So what, in Gideon's story, what is God going to provide in the wine press that will move us from the, the experience of the wine press into the impossible words that are coming out of God's mouth? What moves us? What could move us? Because we know that God he's clearly has other designs for Gideon's life than what he's experiencing, this fearful you know, seven years of repeat defeat in front of him. He has, God has other plans in mind. So we're going to see what God does. So fast forward a little bit in the story. And now Midian, the, the enemy armies are lining up and they've actually gathered all these neighboring armies too. So they're even bigger uh, than before. And they are coming after Israel. They are like on the move at this point, coming after Israel. And it is the darkest, most terrifying moment for Gideon. And here's what we see in Judges 6, 34. Here's what happens. Here's God's move. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. This one little sentence is everything. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. This is the turning moment in the story right here. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Here is the answer for Gideon's question. Okay, so how and with what are you going to save Israel? How and with what? Right here, God came, the spirit came upon. And that word came upon, if you look it up, it means to be clothed with. Or to put on, to take possession of him. And we think sometimes we think of possession as like the demonic only. No, no, no. The spirit of God intended possession in that moment. Some people paraphrase, and this is my favorite, is that God put Gideon on like a glove. Just put him on, clothed himself. That the spirit of God in this moment filled a human life. There's the bottom line. And as a result, as a result, God, Gideon took 300 men, 
Just 300, the smallest army imaginable when he's facing nations. But we know, we know that those 300 men, they were just there for Gideon's back, right? Like they, God, God uh, covering a human life, you need one of those, right? But God just like, well, 300 people behind you, you know, because he wanted to know for sure this isn't about human strength or human power. But here they go, 300 men, and they go out, and they go down to the Midian camp, and Gideon, our wine oppress Gideon, this is what he says he stands in front of the people and he says this watch me now just everybody watch me watch me follow my lead when I get to the edge of the camp do is it exactly as I do do you see the transformation this one man who's completely hiding he's like everybody let's go let's go watch me do what I do we've got this we've got this and in that moment God causes all of the, the Midianites, the, all the enemies to turn on each other with their own swords and they are com- completely defeated by this tiny Israelite army and a man who is once hiding in a wine press from them, right? There's this moment. So here we have before Gideon, just to sum it all up, before hiding in fear, God reveals the plan, the potential, his design for his life. Then in this, this transforming moment, God fills his life in the after is complete victory where God did everything he said he was going to do. Everything he said he was going to do. Now here's the deal. What I love about the story is God does the exact same thing on the day of Pentecost. Check out this parallel. This is so brilliant, so glorious. Okay, so we have the same exact situation where the disciples are also hiding in fear, aren't they? They're hiding in fear. Like John 20, 19, this was in my reading just this week. I was like, there it is, that the disciples are all, they're gathered together. And it says this, when they were together, what? The doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Hello, wine press. And Jesus comes and he's like, I am sending you. Just like Gideon, I am sending you. You are going to do something you wouldn't believe you could do. In fact, these were the exact words. Jesus, um, again, told the disciples what was coming. And he said this in Luke 24. This is amazing. Look at this. Again, look at the parallel. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed. What? Yes, same word. Clothed with power from on high. And God encounters them in their fear, just like he did with Gideon. And we see that glorious day of Pentecost where then the Holy Spirit, we get to see that manifest himself, fall on them, rest on them, fill each one who is waiting in that upper room. And then we also know the after story, right? Just read the book of Acts. What we heard Jonathan talk about today, these men and women that were once hiding in fear had run when Jesus was being arrested. They're filled and then they go out and they preach the fullness of God. They preach the kingdom. They heal the sick. They drive out demons. They do the things that God said they were going to do. Again, it all comes down to that transforming moment. The difference in all the stories was that the spirit of God could actually come and clothe a group of people, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. And here's the deal, you guys. What God did with Gideon and what he did with his church He does with us today. It's the same exact story. He's showing us that, listen, the Gideon experience is now yours. What was situational in the Old Testament is now for everyone after Jesus. Everyone gets to participate and take part in the exact same thing that God did. did. Take one week, ordinary person who will let me put him on like a glove to take over his life and he will defeat a nation. 
It is the same story today. Here is the dream in God's heart. Here's how he designed our lives, what to live for, how they were supposed to operate, that God himself by his spirit would come and fill our lives for impossible work again today. Impossible work again today that he would put us on like a glove, just like he did with Gideon, that he would clothe us with power from on high so that God could bring his movements in our day again and again and again. This is what full life looks like, guys. God's movements through you. God's movements through me, step by step with his spirit. And there are movements, you guys, that God wants to make in your world that should seem just as crazy as Gideon's call. It should seem just as wild and impossible. It should no less impossible than what God was presenting to Gideon, right? We too should often just feel completely inadequate. We should hear the words that are coming out of God's mouth and going, how and with what are you ever going to do that, God? Seriously, this, I believe this should be a day-to-day experience for us where we're like, I don't know how you're going to, this is absolutely impossible. How are you going to do that? In my day, in me, in my personality. And I just wonder, has your mission gotten too small? Guys, has our mission gotten too small? Has it worked its way down to pretty much possible for the runt of the litter, right? Does your mission matter in eternity? Like, seriously, I had to look at this week. Molly, is your, is your mission beyond your closet, right? Is your mission beyond your mirror, what you see in the mirror and, and living for an image? Is your mission beyond what fills your garage? Please, please tell me it does. It has to. We have to, guys. Who in your world needs to be restored? Who right now in your world needs to be restored? Where has the enemy just come harvest after harvest and stripped every tomato off the plant? Where is hope running thin? Right there is where God wants to make movements in your world. Right there is, you put your finger on it. He wants to remove things that hinder people. He wants to care for people. He wants to bring blessing, just like he did to Israel. He wants to put things back in place that were designed to be there from the beginning. He wants to make powerful movements. He wants to make movements where he takes things that are wrong and makes them right. And my goodness, we are ripe for some movements of God. Can he do it in our day, guys? Can he do it? He needs some hands that are willing to be clothed doesn't he? He needs some lives that are willing to be clothed with power from on high again and again and again. So I want to just ask what might keep God from being able to bring his movements into my world? What might hinder him? So sometimes when I run, uh, my hands get cold. My hands get cold. My fingers get really cold when it's really cold out. And so these are my running gloves. And a lot of times I wear them like this, right? But sometimes when it's really, really cold, I pull my fingers out and I just have to ball up my hand and I have to just run like this. And I'm running with both hands as tightly as can be like try to those like, little, little digits are so, so cold, right? So like this. So here's the deal. Guys, remember the picture is this. When God puts on Gideon like a glove, victory comes through, right? He can make the movements that he wants to make. And so I wonder sometimes are we offering God that we're just balling up our hand? Like, you know what, God, uh, yeah, maybe just Sunday. You can have just Sunday, right? And we're balling up our hands and we're like, you know what, God, I'm not really sure what that's going to look like. God, I'm not really sure like if I'm going to maintain control if you come like that. And so we ball up our hands and, and this is our, this is what, what we experience, right? And I just want to know, can God make the movements 
that he want to make through, through my life and your life when we're just offering him this experience, right? Like, you know, like the, he wants to come. The, the Bible talks so often about the right hand of God or the finger of God coming and moving things and bringing the kingdom and bringing the possibility of heaven. That is the design. He wants to fully occupy our lives. He wants to fully occupy our lives. And so what I want us to do, guys, just this last little bit, is I want us to find some ways to yield to the spirit of God, to yield, to be able to put out the fullness of our hand as all of our life and say, God, come occupy this as you want. So you can make movements in my day that you want to make. That can we find some ways, can we find some ways to cooperate with his plan and give him all of it, to stretch it all out. And this, all this surface area is for you, God. Can we find some space? Can we find some space? So I'm going to offer just two things that I think that I'd like us to move into more and more as a people. And the first one is this stillness and quiet, stillness and quiet. Have you ever tried to put a glove on a toddler who wants nothing to do with that glove, right? Like it's like, Hey, listen, can we get still so that God can clothe us as he longs to the day of Pentecost, the church was waiting. They weren't, packing up the equipment. They weren't getting out the, the planners and, uh, and they, they weren't looking to anything that they could offer. It wasn't a flurry of act- activity. Was it? I just picture that upper room. They were still, they were waiting. They had, they, they had, there was nothing that they could do. There was no program. They were just waiting for God to come fulfill what he could and would. And so this is what I want for us. You guys is to prioritize an experience some stillness and quiet in our day so the spirit can come and he can fill and he can rest on us and he can occupy. I want to ask us, can we start to become, can we start to build? I know we can build habits into our life. I know we, I've seen us do it, right? Some of us exercise every day or some of us do certain things every day. We shower, right? We build habits. We brush our teeth. Can we bring some stillness and quiet into our days? So this can be um, spontaneous and it can be scheduled. It can be short and it can be long. If you want to know a little bit more about how this might work, ask Ryan and Becky Searles because they've built some stillness and quiet into their lives. And I know Ryan, you go early, right? And you sit in your car before work. And that's the place where you've learned how to find stillness and quiet. And in that place, in that place, we just wait and we say, God, in this place, I'm making time and space for your spirit. I am offering, I'm spreading out my life right here. And I am waiting for you to come fulfill what you said that you would. I am longing for your presence. I'm longing for your spirit. It's space to follow this command. Be filled and keep on being filled with the spirit. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. It's stopping all the other things for God's presence, for his spirit to come. It's stopping the frenzied life that we live in. It's quieting our other tendencies to make space for his presence. Guys, my go-to is to fill my life. I recognize about this myself. I just, I want to be many things productive. I want fun. I want something exciting. I want to be entertained, right? I fill, fill, fill. And I was thinking about this and I, I I recognize how the enemy works because um, I believe that so much of our lives are driven by dopamine. (laughs) Seriously. 
I believe that we have forgotten how to make purposeful decisions and we are driven by, have you guys heard, does everyone, doesn't everyone talk about dopamine hits? Like, I can't tell you how many times I hear about, oh, that's just programmed for a dopamine hit. In fact, Kevin and I were listening to a podcast on multitasking. Multitasking runs on dopamine hits. Like, I was like, what? Even multitasking? Like, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I believe, guys, I believe that the reward of dopamine is crowding out the reward of the spirit in our day. And we are suffering as a people. This is not how God designed, but we have, it has to be purposeful that we choose to stop what we are accustomed to, what our culture is accustomed to. So try it, try it. That, what I think the Searles and what I've been doing, we got from um, emotionally healthy spirituality is a two minute timer. It's, I set a two minute timer. I just say, okay, I can clear everything for a few minutes. I set a two minute timer and I set that timer. I, Siri does it. She's great. It's my assistant, Siri. And I just clear everything away. And I just, I'm like, God, this is what this is for. I present myself to you. I'm opening up my hand. I'm asking you to clothe me again. I'm asking you to just put me on. I'm making space for your spirit. I know that if you said, if I ask, you'll come. I'm expecting it right now. And guys, sometimes within 30 seconds, I'm already back being productive. And, and sometimes I take an extra minute, right? Like, so I am telling you, it, it might feel uncomfortable. It might feel unproductive. Stick with it. Make it a habit, stillness and quiet. God needs the space to spread out, require his spirit in your life, require it. We get what we wait for. We get what we're hungry for. We get what we put a demand on, right? Let's do it. Okay. The second thing that I want us to do I want us to get still and quiet so we can spread out our lives. But I also want this. I want you, I want you to put yourself in the company of someone who's hot, like really hot. I do. I do. This is community is so, so, so important. You guys, this is why community, this is why God, part of why he designed it. We'll discover it all one day, but this is the deal. When I'm around someone who is burning for God, I catch it, right? When I'm around someone who has stirred up the gift in them, it stirs up the gift in me. We were just at Joy Drop on Wednesday and I popped in for one second and um, Julie and Roy were, Julie was leading the team in prayer. They gather everybody and Julie would start talking about how she was listening to the Holy Spirit for what he wanted to do at our food pantry. And she's talking about, she's sharing a scripture that God gave her and, and why. And she's starting to lead us in prayer. And as she's doing this, my heart is stirring. And I'm like, oh, I see the gifting in her. And it makes me hungry. God, I want to experience more of you. That's all that it does. It draws that out of me. God, you are amazing. Look at how you're working through her. Look at the cry of her heart. Oh, God, I, I need to know you. Like, here's my life. Here it is again, right? This is why we love the worship room. We just get into community with people who are up on stage for nothing else but Jesus and his spirit. And then I see people walking around in worship or, or having their hands or on the floor. And I'm like, God, I need to know you. I want to know you more, right? We get in community and we get stirred up again and again and again. And I'm telling you, there are people in this church. You get near them. They will make you jealous. They're like, how do you know him like that? How do you love him like that? How do you open up your life to him like that? When I'm around you, I just, I, I want more of God. It just stirs me. It stirs me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced it? 
Guys, you have to, again, you have to make a decision to go after this. You have to get into, ask someone. If you see Holy Spirit on someone, say, hey, can I have coffee with you? Can I meet with you? Can we go for a walk? Ask someone, will you teach me what you know? Will you tell me how to do that? I want more of that. Pursue it. Get into a small group. Get into a community group. Get a couple people together and like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make space for God's presence to fill our lives together. Together. You are being led by the people around you. Where are they taking you? Where are they taking you? Because the design is for a life spread out that God could put it on, put you on like a glove. This is the design of your life. And I want to know, guys, what will God do? When we let him, what will he do with a group of people who have said, God, clothe me with power from on high. God, put me on like a glove. What kind of movements could he make in our day church? What kind of movements could he make through us? What kind of movements could he make in our city, in our neighborhoods, our schools, our government? What kind of movements could he make in the arts? How could he glorify Jesus If we were willing, if we were available, if we were a Gideon type person today, I want us to be able to know. I want us to be able to answer that question in the end. I want us to be able to stand before him and say, I knew I was designed to be a piano and I played the song that you wrote on me. I was more than an end table on this earth. I was more than an end table on this life. I wasn't just here to hold someone's garbage, right? We saw God move. Saw him move in this Gideon-style victory because he filled a life. This is what I want for us, guys. So can we stand up together, the one accord, and say, God, we see. We see what you've offered. We see what you've done. The worship team's going to come up. And they're going to lead us in a song. And as I lead us in a song, guys, I'm I'm asking that the promise and the invitation that we see in the word becomes something that we translate to our skin right here. That we don't settle for a good story. And I know there there will be some people who, I I just, I I know this from the scripture, there'll be some people who are like, no, you know, like the virgins with the oil, there's some people who leave without it. There will be. But will you be the one with a full cup today. Will you be a one that has the oil who moves forward with the oil, who knows what it's like for God to put them on. Like I, that's my story. I know what it's like for God to put me on. I know what it's like. It, I don't have to go too far back in my, my past to find an example, a moment when he did that. And so we're going to just take a second and turn our hearts and this cry and this word and this invitation into a, a worship moment here. And the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to come as the great fulfiller because that's what he does over and over and over again. That he will never leave you dry. He will never leave you empty. He will never leave a request on the table. I promise you. I promise you he won't. That there is not ever been a willing, hungry, yielded person that the spirit has not filled. And today is not the first day. It will not be. So this is an encounter with a spirit and a song and a cry all wrapped up in one.